my biggest regret is not when someone says no, not proving as to why. If you believe we can change the narrative, if you believe we can change our communities, if you believe we can change the outcomes, then we can change the world. I'm Rob Richardson. Welcome to Disruption Now. Yes, he is. Uh, he's founded multiple startups. Uh, he's a he's a man about tech. He's a man about industry, and now he is in. Miami, Florida. By the way, I wish I could come there. I, I usually go there several times a year, Kevin, but obviously with the COVID-19 world. This, this is the view I have, you know, all this, every day. This is it. Yeah. Well, you're making me. Right here. Uh, yes. I'm, I'm very jealous. <laughs> I of wish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you get to go out and see the view at some point. Uh, but, you know, you started an organization called uh, Black Miami Angels, which the goal is to connect more uh, to connect more black investors to promising startups. So uh, thank you for coming on the show and thank you for what you do. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. I uh, want to get a sense uh, about your path to entrepreneurship, Kevin. I know you uh, uh, you're, you're now helping entrepreneurs. You're now helping investors, but I want to get a I want to get a sense of how this really kind of sparked in your imagination and your brain. Like, how did you come to becoming an entrepreneur and know that this is the path that you wanted to go on in your life? Yeah, I've always loved technology. You know, I think I had my first computer when I was seven. Um, undergrad and grad school, it was engineering. And then, you know, late 90s, wanted to be a consultant and build, you know. Right. So, you know, worked for multiple com- companies and build. And I was lucky enough to be building during the dot-com era. So um, I got my feet wet, saw the boom, saw the bust. And even though there was a bust, I was just like, wow, this is... This is what I want to do. And that evolved from building within companies, you know, hands-on, you know, leading technology teams, being the architect, to actually wanting to not define how to build it, but what to build. So I moved to the other side of the table. I went and did my MBA and then, you know, more startups after that. So, yeah, always love technology to this day and and i love what i'm doing now work with founders and you know helping them make things happen yeah so you've been a founder and i want to take you back to the times when you were a founder i want you to think about (laughs) uh you know what you see as your biggest failure some people don't like to say failure let's call them uh hard learning lessons that you've learned for uh, from and that you've had to pivot from like can you think of a time being an entrepreneur that was like, wow, you're like, at that time, it felt like a total failure. And now you've actually learned from that. And it's helped you uh, gain better perspective and, and be more successful in the long run. Yeah, I, I think like a lot of naive founders that want to be the next Facebook, you know, everybody wants to have the big billion dollar IPO and home run and, and you know, pop the champagne and, you know, build something big. And um, most people, we don't really talk about the people who don't quite get the home run. So, you know, my biggest regret is I didn't make a home run, but only so many people make a home run. And I by like, the way, how, I like, how, we I like defi- how we define it home runs? Like, that's also another, like, is it we, well, I think, in my mind, it, I think mean, back, it this, this, this way, yeah, like, I think people ahead. have the comparison. They're like, okay, when, when, when people want to go to the NBA, everybody's like, I want to be LeBron James. I want to be Michael Jordan. You know, if that is your, if that's what it means to hit your home run, well, hell, 
that's like a once in a generation. Like hardly anybody's gonna hardly anybody's gonna hit that. So that that's like face to me. That's the equivalent of the Facebooks and the Instagrams of the world saying that you're gonna get to that level is trying to almost hit the lottery to my to my mind. But what do you mean by hitting the home run? My definition of hitting the home run was always working for that one paycheck, which would be my last paycheck. Right. Right. So we'll never have to work for anyone again, be um, financially completely independent. Um, family wouldn't have to worry about a thing. Um, that, that was my definition of. Okay. Home. Okay. Okay. No, that's and That's and that. So that's a pretty, and that's also relative too for, cause some, for some people yeah. that means $2 million for others that could mean, you know, that could mean $30 million or something. So like that, that's, that, that's helpful right. to know, but that definitely is relative. Right. But, but, yeah. but you looked at this and said, okay, I wanted to have it to, to not have to worry about money if I didn't want to. And that never really happened for you exactly. Um, right. So, but let, so I want to talk about like, like, so what was the failure at the, or the learning lesson from one that sticks out in your mind? And, and, and can you think of a way how that's helped you to be where you're at now or be more successful? Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, I've, I've, I've started or been part of multiple startups. Some, I mean, for example, coming out of business school, I went to Wharton, start, started a couple of companies. Um, we had, uh, the I, this was pre-iPhone, right before the iPhone, had this thesis that, you know, people are going to use phones in their idle time and monetize it. Well, your thesis right. was right. My thesis was right. But the timing was wrong. Yeah. And um, you know, unfortunately, we didn't quite, my thesis was dead on, but the business model wasn't there because the iPhone wasn't there. Oh. So, you know, I always say if someone had taken a risk on us back then, you know, I would have hit my home run because we would have figured it out. And it wasn't, you know, if we had spent that time in that space, we would have figured it out. Now, my biggest regret is not when someone says no, not probing as to why, hmm. right? Okay. So, you know, if you're raising capital and someone says no, okay, why is someone, don't, don't be afraid to ask why. If someone, like if everyone says yes, 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 they're not helping you. Right. And they're not going to, by the way, you got to get 10 right. times, a thousand times more no's than yeses, but yeah, go, but, but go for it. My problem is, is that, okay, let's say, let's say I have the best pitch ever. You know, I could be as charismatic. People love you, right? And they don't, people don't want to say, people might say no, but you want to probe in, into why they're saying no and, and really challenge. And, and sometimes people are going to say no and, and, you're, and they're wrong, right? Sure. But if you, do, if you don't really listen to the no's, then you're not learning, right? Agreed. Agree. I mean, you, and, learn, you, learn the, you, you learn the most from those because yes is, could be, exactly. you, yeah, you did it right, maybe, or you just got lucky. Well, you got lucky. Maybe, maybe it was a good day, but that doesn't mean you, that, that doesn't mean everything you did was right. And the nose doesn't mean everything you did was wrong, but at least you can learn something from it. But it's hard. I mean, people don't like getting, you don't like to have your whole concept essentially feel like it's being shot down. Right. Uh, as you as you go and then you go and you think that you're having these leads and all of a sudden it doesn't close, which I think is even worse when you think it's about to close and then you get close and it feels like, oh, well, never mind. Those are the hardest. But like I remember you talked about a company that was a, a large company or maybe multiple companies that were uh, 
almost at IPL stage. And then they found themselves going towards a whole nother direction. Um, talk about the feeling with that, if you can, because I know you, if you're at the stage where you feel like you're not only going to hit the home run, it's like you're going to hit the home run and then everybody's running the base. You're going to win the whole damn series. So that's what <laughs> you go to yeah, you know, I IPL. Mean, I, I mean, my first, my first job out of uh, a school, um, this was during the dot com era. It basically had a, you know, billion dollar level level IPO. And then the pop comes and then all the air is gone. And, you know, you had every single school loan and all your debt, you know, you had that money ready to wipe out everything and, and be on a, and be good. And then that's all gone. Yeah. And, and at the time, you know, people are saying this was going to happen. Sure. <laughs> and I, and, I, and you know, I said, no, look at it. Everybody's doing great. Everything's going to happen. You just, you, you, again, not listening, not taking a step back, not, not thinking about the risk. I mean, if, if everybody thought, on the flip side, if everybody thought about the risk of starting the company, then they wouldn't do it. Yeah, I mean, right? no one would start a company. <laughs> no one would start a company. Um, but, but at the same time, if I had listened, I pr probably would have done things a little differently. Um, well, tell me what you would have done differently. So you're this, you're, you're, this, is, this is a transition to a question I was going to ask you anyway. You're, if you had to give advice to your younger self as a founder, what, would you, what advice would you give yourself now with the knowledge you have now? In the second part, what advice would you ignore? Well, bulls make money, pigs make money. And no, it's, I, I've got that all wrong. Bulls make money. Bears, um, bears. Bear, bears make money and pigs, pigs get, get slaughtered. slaughtered, right? And, 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 and I, and I was a little greedy, um, and you know, I, that was more than half a lifetime ago. So, um, I probably would have sold, I would have done things a little differently, you know, but I had never, never been in the marketplace before. I'd never seen it. All, all I had seen up to that point was up, up, up and up. Yeah. Right. So I just wanted to ride that all the way up to the sunset. And, and we all know it's cyclical. Yeah. Things go up, things go down. Um, you know, I was naive. Um, you know, what would I do differently? You know, I, it's key conversations where I always go back to um, that I can picture myself sitting right there, right then, and, and listening and saying, what is this person talking about? And I didn't, and, and it didn't really register. Sure. And I remember having a conversation and, and someone was talking about time and, you know, I'm young. I'm like, I've got all the time in the world. <laughs> this was 16 years ago. I got all the time in the world. Like how many startups, companies, jobs, career shifts, pivots have I had since then? And, and what I was working on at that time, you know, she, she, she didn't, she didn't have the, it was all about failing fast. If, if I had to step away, that's what she was trying to say. Like validate and, 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 and get it going and figure out if this is going to work or not. And um, I, that didn't, she didn't, re, that didn't resonate the way, the way she had said it at the time. But I've, I've learned since then, you know, especially being on the founder side, you know, validate what you're doing and uh, move fast. So you would, so you were at a time where I guess you could have, that, that's, that's, I guess you could have no regrets, only lessons in life. That's kind of how I look at it. I mean, you, people go back like, okay, would I, had I sold, 
my interest in yeah. those companies and have more money. You probably would, yeah. but like it's some of this is just learning lessons. Uh, people look at like Google, and I forgot which book I got this from, but people say like, well, they 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 apply all these lessons and how Google got to be huge. But here's here's the thing: um, Google was going to be sold for like a ridiculously small amount, and, and the people just didn't offer enough. I think they were just asking for like a million dollars. They would have given away everything, and they're what a trillion dollar company right now. They would have given away everything they had for a million dollars. And so some of it is you just, some of it is timing. Um, mm -hmm. And some of it is just, you know, luck. Now there are lessons that can be learned and you can't be successful from, uh, from your failures. So is there any advice you would ignore though? Like, was, I think that's almost more important than what you would tell yourself. Cause sometimes it's the, it's the advice, the wrong advice that leads you down uh, the wrong path. Than well, the I, I ignored some advice saying, don't do it. Don't, you still don't start a company. Would I still ignore it? Um, I'm asking you what I, advice I, I would I would have tackled. The, so in my mind, I was like, I'm going to go for it and I'm going to go all in. I would have tackled it differently. I would have said, I won't, I'm not going to go all in. I'm going to, I'm going to work on what I'm working on and I'm going to do this and sweat at night on, on the weekends to validate it before jumping all in, but I'm still going to do it. Got it. Okay? Um, so instead of just jumping all in now, you know, everybody can find an example where they went all in and made it, but you know, unfortunately, you know, a lot of companies won't make it. They don't. And it yeah. doesn't matter what your background is. It's just the way it is. The numbers bear, bear out. Um, so I would have done things a little differently, but you know, everybody can go back in their career and, and do things a little differently. And I think especially in what I'm working on right now at Black Angels Miami, um, you know, helping, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to diversify the landscape of angel investing and, and get, you know, people of a uh, certain amount of wealth into angel investing and reaching back and investing in people. Right. Um, it, even then, you're still having conversations as to what, how, and why people should be doing it. Sure. And, 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 you know, this is at the complete other end of the spectrum from a founder starting from zero doing things. And, you know, it's those conversations and connections which helps people get from A to B, um, which are important because you learn from mistakes and you can learn from other people's mistakes, but yeah. only when you actually open your mouth and talk <laughs> and ask the right questions. Sure. The best way to learn is it's good to learn from your mistakes. It's better to learn from others' mistakes so you don't have to make those mistakes. And um, so is some of that part of the reason why you started uh, the, 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 Black, the Black Miami uh, Angels uh, Fund? And then I'd like to ask you this, too. Uh, how do you go about changing, I guess, the perspective? As you said now, it's still hard having the conversation with investors and others about why it's good to do this, uh, to invest in diverse founders. And, and, I, and I like to say, it's, it's not about what's socially responsible. That's good and it's important. And, but what's more important, especially when you're talking to corporate and you're talking to business, is to show that this is a missed economic opportunity. So how do you go about changing that mindset? And how do you think the lessons, and how did the lessons that you went through as a founder, I guess, it, it inform your path with the Black Miami, the Black Miami uh, uh, angels. So, um, Black Angels Miami. Black Angels um, Miami. 
<laughs> so I'm the founding executive director. I actually started initially by one of the chairman of the board, uh, Baron Chana, uh, in in Miami, and you know I I resonated with you know what he was trying to do, and I and I said, yeah, I, I want to do this. So if you look at the landscape of angel investing, it's not diverse. No. And by consequence of that, the companies that are invested in is not diverse. And you, and it may not be on purpose, but subconsciously people see uh, the companies which have worked in the past, which they have invested in, and they want to do that over and over and sure. over again. Intentions, so are, you, intentions are irrelevant in this, but I look at this, Kevin. Yeah, like what, yeah, intentions are absolutely relevant. Doesn't matter. They got the best intentions in the world. You look at to see yeah. what happens. It's the result is the same if it's intentional or it's in, or or it isn't. I'm just looking at what's happening. You've you've got your paradigm of you got your blindness on. This is what I'm looking for. This is what's worked yeah. in the past. This is what I'm going to do. Correct. And and then you have someone coming in that looks different, may talk a little bit differently. You're not really used to interacting with them. Um, you may have the best intentions, but what bears out is that they they're not getting funded. And for a lot of startup companies, you know, if, if the average black household has 10% of the average white household, we don't have in our community the means to have as much friends and family help get sure. people off the ground. Exactly. So then you even have less company, you have less capital helping companies. So all of this comes together and you have less startups and it's just like a perpetual cycle. How do we, how do we break how do we break through that? Well, so, let, so, so let, 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 let's talk, let's run down that a little bit and I'll let you finish mm -hmm. your thought here as a founder of color. How do you, how would you advise folks to go about navigating what you just said? The truth is some uh, don't have the ability. Most don't have the ability to raise from the friends and family network. So how, how do you go? Cause usually before people get to even the pre-state pre-seed stage, They've had some friends and family network help them or their own net or their own net worth be able to, you know, prop up what they have. A lot of founders of color don't have that. How would you advise them about starting the process? If they have a great idea, they feel they have it. Um, how do they start about going about getting that funding or, or going about the process, knowing how that, that, that additional burden that's there. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. I mean, what you really want to do is validate your thesis, validate your idea um, as best you can. And, and oftentimes it, it's not a matter of money to do so. Okay. So let's say you want to... Can you think of any practical example of that uh, when, when you've seen that work, when folks didn't have a ton to work with, but they were able to do their proof of concept pretty well and yeah. then have some level of success? Test, test the market I and mean, advertise on social media, advertise on Facebook. Let's say you're selling a product, right? Um, see how many people are interested in that product before you even build it. I mean, there's, you know, that doesn't cost a lot to, to, to no. do some minimal marketing. Talk to people. I mean, unfortunately, you know, most, if not all, all founders are going to um, hold their idea close to the chest. Yeah. Right? But, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to realize that, you know, how many thousands of people probably had the same idea. It's more so execution. Yep. And that's why investors are really investing in the founder and their ability to actually execute. Um, so 
you know, you might have the best idea, but a, an idea is a dime a dozen. Yeah. If you haven't validated your idea, if you haven't got as much traction as possible, it's going to be, it's going to be tough to get financing. So yeah. you want to try and validate it. And, you know, in general, if you've got an idea or you've got a proof of concept and you have revenues, you know, why run to give away part of your company and get financing? Like take it as far as you can, do what you can, and then, you know, then look look for financing. Because financing is like, uh, that'll be a second job for you. you know, forget your company. I mean, trying to raise capital. It's a full-time job just raising it's money. It's a full-time job. And, you know, I cannot... You cannot underestimate how much effort it is. And then once you have the money, it's a full-time job managing it. And then once you have money, you've got to accelerate and then you need to get more money yep. because that's how it works. So, you know, it, it's, it's not a simple road, but validation is key. Validation it, it, is key. So what is the, so what is the let, let's say you've got some validation level and I guess that's relative to what it is. You've got, you've got, you've got at least a gauge of interest where you show like, okay, we're going to have 5,000 users here that have already done it in the first two months and it's ramping up by X amount. Uh, what is the process then? What is the right process to go about uh, raising capital from there? Because you eventually are going to likely have to raise some capital from some people. What's the right approach to, to go about finding that? And how do you see, entrepreneurs or startups get it wrong about how they view uh, their business when they're seeking funding? There's different path, There's different capital for different companies at different stages, right? right? So not all capital is the same and, you're, and, and, and everybody's different. So for example, let's say I have a business in Miami and it's doing great. I'm making millions of dollars, right? That doesn't mean that venture capital or you know angel capital is the right capital for your business. So if you take a step back, angels are typically investing in uh, high growth companies. They're looking for a 20x exit because there's a high risk. So sure. if I invest in 20 companies, you know more than 10 may fail. A couple I may make. Uh, my money back. A couple, of my, I may make a little bit of money, and you're hoping there's going to be some which knock it out the park, sure. which covers everything else and gives me a great return. Um, and none of us can, you know, predict which companies are going to knock it out the park. You know, I never predicted Tesla stock will be, you know, over a thousand. I never predicted um, Amazon would become what Amazon is, and 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 those are just a big public things which are right in front of our faces never mind a startup an idea of a little bit of validation and and a little bit of traction or a, a minimal viable product you don't know how far that's going to go which is so, why a lot of this comes to relationships absolutely correct because it's not like you have a long period it's not like you're trading on the stock market where you have a whole long proof of concept because even if you've shown some viability as you said it's still not going to be that much, no matter what, if you're talking about a startup, because that's by definition, a startup. So you, a statement that you said is very important to uh, Black Angels Miami is that relationships are not transactional. Explain why that is a fundamental tenet for Black Angels Miami and why, is that, why I, 
I'm guessing that's a fundamental tenet for how you conduct yourself in life. Tell me more about that. Yeah. And, and I can talk to this as a founder because my mindset when I was looking for money was transaction, give me the money, give me money so I can build my thing, make a company and do good things. Right. A company needs a, a certain amount of money to survive and do well. Absolutely. Sure. The real value is in the relationships that can be made beyond money. One conversation can change the trajectory of your company. One piece of advice could, or one introduction can, can change things significantly. If, I, if just writing a check to a company made things happen, then there are plenty of companies out there will be doing well. What good capital from great people does is bring in experience, expertise, connections, conversations that, that can help the company along instead of just being a transaction. Um, you know, th that's just like saying, oh, if you're a, a professional athlete and you make a million dollars, that everything's good. No, you... <laughs> That's just a transaction. You, you then turn around and spend all that money in the wrong places and you didn't get any advice and then you're broke. That, right. you know, it, it's, it's, it's a rough analogy, but the same things can happen with a business. You know, just getting the money is part of the equation. That just, that's just oil for the engine, but that's not the rest of the car. Right. No, that makes that's sense. Get you from, that's not going to get you from A to B. That, that will just get you down the road. But you, what you need is, you know, co-pilot. Yeah. You need directions. You need, you know, you need somebody's expertise. And, and, well, and I, what I, we're I, doing. I think what you're getting at, too, if I could, is that a true relationship is not just a quid pro quo. It's, a, it's also yeah. beyond that, you've built up a level of trust you built up a reputation that people begin to trust you. And then, so you can then uh, extend that to really uh, uh, 10, 10X, 20X, because if, if people, people give you money, but it's purely transactional, you know, uh, the minute that that transaction goes away, you won't, you won't be able to sustain that. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, I think about uh, Apple. I think Apple's a good example of a company that, uh, they're certainly transactional. They certainly made a lot of money, but they have a central why in their mission. They're about disrupting the, the status quo to empower the individual user. And they have uh, always focused on that. So uh, when they first started off, Kevin, to your point, it used to be that in order to have any uh, uh, traction in the market, when you started with a mobile phone, you would have to go with the carrier. So uh, they told the carriers that we, we want to design it this way. And it was novel. It was novel the way that they designed the iPhone. Um, and, and all the carriers said no, except one, which was AT&T, which became the exclusive carrier. But had they gone with what you said, just to be transactional, figure out where is the best way we can get the most of our uh, phones to go out there, they would have acquiesced and they wouldn't have been Apple. So I think it goes to once you develop, and, and Apple has a really loyal following, those people that follow Apple, follow them, and they, and they, for the most part, follow their why and their mission. So they look at their relationship with their customers as not just purely transactional, but as relational. And as such, uh, their customers are willing to overlook some things, like sometimes they charge more and do things, but they, they trust Apple, to your point. I think, that's, I think that's why relationships are so important. I mean, in, in our first conversation, you, you, you talked about some of the things you're trying to do. And you remember I, I talked about the software products or, or this service. Have you thought about X? 
right? And, yep. and that just came out of nowhere, but that was because you opened up and I was like, hey, you know what? Have you tried this out? Have you looked at this? And that could then turn around and be really valuable to you, right? Exactly. Huge. But, you know, that's those simple little connections and, and conversations, that's not... That's that's not a transaction. That's that's not me. That's not you saying, Kevin, come on, talk, and then you know, move on. Like we talked. Yes. About just being open. Now at Black Angels Miami, we're not just all about just throwing, you know, just writing page, writing investing in companies, you know, we're trying to make a difference. And and differences are not just we're not a bank. <laughs> yeah. We're a community. And we're yeah. looking to to help our community. Um, um, you know, create wealth. How do you think this moment, Kevin, pivoting a little bit, this moment, how, how do you think investors see this moment with uh, COVID-19 and do they think it's a, uh, do, do they see some structural changes that are going to be a part of us or do they think this is just a, a temporary blip and then things will be back to where they were pre-COVID? How are they viewing this? First question. The second question is, how do you think entrepreneurs should be viewing this moment um, for their own long-term sustainable success? I've heard multiple different stances on this question. Um, so I'll tell you what I think. That's what I want. Um, <laughs> so so I, just as we're talking I'm talking to this computer. I'm talking to 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 a camera. This is going to be more of the norm, more than any of us could imagine, uh, as opposed to meeting in person. I think that's going to open up new opportunities because you can be anywhere. You could be in yes. the same city. You could be across in the, across the country, or you could be across the world. So um, the world's just got a little bit smaller. Um, do I think this is going to be a, as far as COVID nineteen, a long term change, and 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 disruptive for business, potentially? So what I've seen is that people are being much more careful with their cash flow. Yes. So if you don't have, you know, forget twelve months. If you, if you don't, if you're if you're burning through cash, and you're going to need more cash in in the short term. You know, you've got to change some things. And 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 you've got to cut the fat now. Yes. Uh, you can't you can't wait to see how things are going because we don't know how it's going to go. I mean, if you had told me we we're, we're going to be where we are now in July, yeah. back in March, there's no way I would have thought we'd be. No one would have thought Absolutely this in 2020. Not. Yeah. No, I wouldn't have no thought one. this, dude. I wouldn't have thought this in February. Well, in February, I mean, I saw it coming. Everybody saw it coming. You but saw it coming, no but no knew. one thought it would be lasting this long. They thought it would be. Yeah. I didn't think. You know, but but how we have reacted as a country, and you know, all the politics there, and oh yeah, and, well we and, can we can uh, go down. You so, can listen so, to plenty of my so, shows on that if you want to hear that. Right. So <laughs> when I look at it as a whole, I I, I think that this is going to get extended longer just by the way we reacted to right. it than I would have thought back in March. Um, so you know, 2020 is this going to change by the end of the year? I no, no, I agree with that. It's I, just not going to happen. Um, but right. how far beyond that it's going to go, I don't know. But, I would um, say I agree with a lot of what you said right there, Kevin. Uh, I would I have a little bit of a nuanced take on it. I believe that COVID 19 was less of a disruptor. It's definitely been a disruptor for the short term, 
but I think it's it's more it's more of a accelerator than it was a disruptor. And I say that because uh, people weren't used to having. I'll give you an example with this podcast. Uh, I used to do some in person. I used to do some virtually, and people said, "Well, people used to always say, well, let's just wait till we could do it maybe in person." And but like that has gone away. So now uh, the barrier for entry has been lowered. And you know we're having the virtual summit, which I think you're going to be a part of, is in September. We've been able to get so many people uh, because people are now accepting that you can do this virtually. You could always, you always could do it virtually, but now people are saying, "Oh, I can do this, and I can just get just as much work done." And now we can connect with more people. So I think it accelerated trends. We were going to go digital. Uh, we were. I mean, there's already been levels of how the entertainment's going to be. We know there's going to be. Uh, augmented reality. I think those things are being accelerated now. Uh, and now people are getting used to seeing that they can do business this way. You know what? You can network this way. And I've learned, and, and, and I used to be the person, I still like going in person, but you know what? I've been able to extend my network in different ways because people are more open to this. So I think people have to see this moment and pivot for what it is. And I, and I, and I do think once people get used to something, it's hard to change their behavior, which is why it was hard to get people used to virtual events that liked interviews but now all you can do is virtual events. So people are like, I actually don't have to leave my home and I can still get things accomplished. So I do think there will be some, we will have in-person events. I still want to go out and get a drink, be able to go to events, particularly in Miami, love Miami. Uh, but um, people will also be accepting of the virtual environment. So I do believe businesses have to be thinking about how that's going to look now that we've now accelerated fully into the digital world. That's my perspective. Yeah, I mean, different segments of the economy are just accelerating, moving at, at light speed. I mean, who thought that I'll be and everybody be getting groceries delivered? And, you know, would I be buying a movie as opposed to going to the movie theater? I mean, there's just so many little things um, that, that, that that is changing in our day-to-day lives. But, you know, with change comes opportunity. Absolutely. So, um, you know, embrace it. We've got to keep it moving. We've got to keep living and, and, and make things happen. Yep. Um, going back on a point we made earlier about getting investors to understand the economic opportunity and diverse founders, you know, this is uh, glad to see all these tech companies say Black Lives Matter, blah, 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 you know, and then all of them say we're announcing all this money. When it comes from the point of view of, and I had this conversation with Will Hayes, who's the CEO of LucidWorks, when it comes to investment in, 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 in black and brown founders, I think we have to get people out of the mindset that this is some type of charity, some type of social responsibility. This is an economic opportunity for you, for your company and for others, uh, because uh, for many reasons, one, uh, the world is trending more diverse, two, people that come from these backgrounds you know, you got you to overcome more. So, you know, if a person has gotten to this level, they already have that certain level of grit because you have to go through more to be a diverse founder or to be in the position. Have you had, like, how, how are those conversations and mindsets uh, being changed? Do you think people are starting to get it? How, how do we get people uh, to uh, understand that from this point of view that you're not helping us to give charity? This is not, a, this is not your charity handout. We're looking for yeah. an opportunity to help you make money and we want to make money in the process. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what we do as an organization, we're not, you know, maybe a nonprofit, but we're not, you know, we're not a... We're nothing not wrong with charity. People. I'm not against charity, but this is not, that, it's not, it's not <laughs> yeah, what this it's is. It's not charity. Diverse yeah. leadership teams are more successful than not diverse teams. 
And that's just a fact. Yep. Right? Woman-led companies <laughs> on average do better, right? I that's a fact. It. But, you know, you can talk all of that talk, but people have to actually be um, purposeful in, in making it happen. Um, I think as more and more of it happens, that, that it's, you know, it will trend in the right direction as, as people get more comfortable with it. Um, but, you know, many of the funds, companies, however, people are purposely saying, well, I need diversity on my team, whether it's a person of color, it's a black person, whether it's a woman, um, hopefully it's all of the above. Um, but, but diverse teams do better. And I think that it's uh, people with different points of view come together and make better decisions as opposed to, you know, having group think, or if everyone thinks the same, then, you know, you're probably missing something. Um, so, you know, diversity, there's strength in diversity. To ignore that is, is silly. Yep. Diversity, uh, I've said this many times, diversity of thought, diversity of perspective, uh, and diversity itself is a strength. And um, people, have to, it, people have to learn to embrace that. Because, again, if everybody thinks the same way, you are definitely missing something because everybody in the world doesn't think that way. Right. I mean, uh, yep. so anyway, uh, I want to have a final question as you, as you get ready to wrap up. Um, what do you feel like success looks like for black Miami, uh, black angels of Miami? Um, what, what would success look like five, 10 years from now? So Miami is, has become a sleeper haven for the startup community. You know, we have, I think, last night, and this was probably much, 38 different co-working spaces. There are many, many startups, many tech startups here, um, a lot of resources here. Um, but, you know, when people think startups, they think in San Francisco, the Valley, yeah. thinking about New York, thinking about Boston, Austin, Atlanta. Um, there's a lot of cities, but we're right there. So as we rise i want to see black angels miami as part of that conversation yeah i would like to see us investing in companies in miami um and and we'll invest anywhere in the country but i want to be part of the ascendance of companies in miami and people saying whoa and particularly you know, what's outside happening of, here especially outside of the west coast i mean we got to go yeah. i love that fact that you know we are we got to look beyond the West Coast. All the talent is not in San Francisco. All the talent is not in LA. There's a lot of talent in Florida. There's a lot of talent here in Cincinnati too. I, if you're not in San Francisco and you're maybe not in New York or a couple of other cities, does that mean you're stupid? I mean, I literally had a conversation lately saying, when I think about Miami, I do not think about smart people. So, you know, what? Wow. So, you know, I, that's just like, wow, okay you may not have the density of some of these other places, but there are a lot of people down here, a lot of smart people down here, just as a lot of smart people in the Midwest and all across this country. And to, to, to dismiss a startup or a founder because they're not in a couple of places where uh, it's more culturally ingrained, let's say, yes. uh, it, it doesn't make any sense. And for anybody that's investing and only working in those places, or only focused on those places, you're missing out. I mean, I you're guaranteed to miss out. So why not take advantage of the opportunity and, and, 
and, and change your paradigm and look somewhere else. So for Miami, there's, uh, you know, why start a investment group here? Because there's a lot of high net worth individuals. There's a very high um, percentage of black people making up uh, Miami. Um, and, you know, we want to get capital going to work because if it's sitting on the sidelines, we're missing out. I think there's opportunity to create more wealth in the community by yep. investing in more diverse uh, founders who in turn will create great things and become angels themselves. And, you know, let's, let's turn this, this trend around a little and get more of us, uh, you know, leading companies. Amen to that. Innovation at its core is a rebellion against the status quo. And we need to do everything we, we can to disrupt this construct that is not inclusive of women, that is not inclusive of people of color. It's the right thing to do, but, and, it will help more, it will, it will disrupt more, we'll get more opportunities for more people. So it's the right thing to do and it will actually create great opportunities. Uh, I appreciate having you on, Kevin. Uh, and until next time, we continue to disrupt common narratives and constructs. I'm Rob Richardson. Kevin, it was a pleasure to have you on. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me.